Okay, welcome back, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. <laughs> um, hope everybody doing. I hope everybody is doing well, feeling blessed, um, feeling healthy. Uh, I I know I am. Um, it's, it was nice outside in DC today. Um, great evening. Good, you know, nice strong winds. Not too warm, not too cold though. Just perfect. Um, Hope everybody is practicing the key phrases that we have heard a million times these, you know, this last, these last, you know, month and a half or so, uh, social distancing, quarantining, continue to practice those things. It's really important. Um, we're going to, we're going to talk about Dak and the Cowboys. We're going to, we're going to talk about possible trades in the draft. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant and his time in Golden State with Steph Curry and the relationship there. Um, I'm going to touch bases on that because there's a book coming out on it. I cannot wait to get it. Um, I, Ethan Strout, the, he, you know, great book, I heard. Um, I cannot wait to get into these things, dive deep. I'm ready to take you guys on an audio adventure. So without further ado, we're going to get into it just after this quick break. Stay tuned. <laughs> coming up in the next coming what the next next week the draft is next week and when we had the draft there's been Mel Kuyper's mock draft I've seen so many mock drafts I'm probably mock draft out to death um but I like seeing these mock drafts now I think like with the, you know with the you know no disrespect to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay because those guys are really great at what they do but um they don't have they don't include pick they don't include trades or the possibility of trades and i think there may there there's going to be a trade that that may go down in the first 10 picks maybe in the first 5 picks that a trade may go down but i always found it interesting to be able to decipher talent and and where teams choose and draft this talent and i often wonder how do some teams uh how do some teams fare in the draft? How do some teams pick their players? Do they go by I mean, I know some part some teams probably go by most teams probably go by need. No, the Eagles need a receiver. So the Eagles are probably gonna draft a receiver this year in the draft. Um, you know, or some teams might go at you know, might go with whoever the best player is at the top of the board or top of their board. I know that um, teams, you know, certain teams have certain strategies and ways how they draft um, for certain players. I always thought it was easier to um, to to evaluate players that play in the SEC. I always thought it was, now a guy like Joe Burrow, I like him. I don't love him as much as 
some other people do or some people some other people in the media does. I've heard the comparisons of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana. I'm not going to go that far. But with Joe Burrow, despite him only having one great year and despite him having all of these weapons at LSU and Joe Brady as the mastermind offensively, despite him having, despite him having all of those necessary factors and features that helped him have the success that he had this year. I know that Joe I know that Joe Burrow can play. I don't think he's a bad prospect, but I know that he can play and I all I just always thought it was much easier to evaluate talent in the SEC. It's all, I mean because like for for instance, you look at a guy in the Big 12. You look at a running back, say a running back, a, a good running back in the Big 12. Unless he's like can't miss TV and he's electrifying, like unless he's like a Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott type running back, if he's not that type of talent, then you got a second. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do your second question. You gotta start questioning because you're like the Big Twelve is not known for his defense, and defense in the Big Twelve is practically optional. Um, some teams play it like TCU, Texas tries to play it, but Oklahoma's gotten a little bit better. But how good is a running back in the Big 12 when none of those, like the, the secondary guys in the Big 12, you know, none of those guys going to the NFL. None of those guys are starters in the NFL. Most of them are not starters in the NFL. And in the SEC, it's it's a it's a physical conference. That's what I said about Tua last last week. It's a it's the most physical conference in college football. Um, a lot of Georgia, Florida, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee, uh, Old Miss. They repeatedly have so many pros come in and out of their program, and. Practically just about every Saturday when it's when you know when SEC teams play against each other, they're going against NFL type talent, and that's my point about two with Tua and Joe Burrow. Um, I know you guys may think I'm pro Tua and anti Joe Burrow. I'm not anti Joe Burrow. I just don't think he's Brady, uh, Peyton Man. I think it's, I don't think he's those guys, but Joe Burrow is a Really good prospect. He's a really he's a really talented and a he's a talented and a really good prospect. And I can I know that he could play because he played in the SEC and he put up big numbers in the SEC and he put up big numbers against Alabama. I know he can play in the in in, in the NFL. I don't like the I don't like I don't specifically like the team that he most likely is going to go to, which is the Bengals. Don't like the team that he's gonna go to. I don't like the roster that he's gonna go to. I think that may have that's gonna I think that's gonna have a negative impact on his career or how he looks um for the foreseeable future. But I know he can play in the NFL. Um I'm not saying a guy like Justin Herbert coming out the Pac twelve, I'm I'm not saying he can't play because I, I do think he can play, and I'm gonna talk about Justin Herbert a little bit, um, and why I think Oregon and the system held him back. I'm going to talk about Joe, Justin Herbert a little bit, but I, th- I just always thought it was much easier to 
look at talent and say he can play in the SEC. Um, and I get some of this in the Big Ten, too. The Big Ten, you look at um, the Big Ten, usually their offense alignment are really good. Like, all the big-time offense alignment come from Big Ten schools or schools up north. Um, you, can, you, you, can name, you can name Zach Mark, all, all those guys up north or Big Ten schools. Um, they usually have good line play. I'm not going to say it's as physical as the SEC. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go that far. But the Big Ten is close, is very close to the SEC as far as physicality, uh, physicality and um, and the in the production and the you know the production and how many NFL guys they produce. It's definitely uh, it's definitely an upgrade. It's definitely an upgrade um, when you compare it to the Big Twelve and the ACC. Um, and, and the Pac-12, the ACC is just god-awful. I mean, F- Florida State is rebuilding. Miami is rebuilding. The only team that's that's just good out of it is Clemson. <laughs> that's, that, like, you, and sometimes you wonder how good, a, how good is a Clemson receiver? Because it's like, oh, you know, he played the ACC. You know, Duke is Duke. Miami is rebuilding. Florida State is rebuilding. Georgia's not good. I mean, Georgia Tech is not good. So, you know, you, 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 want, you often sometimes wonder how good are, are particular prospects. And, you know, some, are, some turn out to be really good because they go to good franchises and it's a good match. But it's, for me, you know, just a guy that, you know, evaluates talent, that looks at these games, that look at, a lot of college football and look and look at a lot of just football in, in in general, I would find it very difficult to evaluate talent in the Big Twelve. Like offensively. Like I you know, I, now C D Lamb, great offensive talent. Great receiver. Um, is he better than Jerry Judy? I don't know, because when I look at Jerry Judy go against these Florida DBs, these Georgia DBs, <laughs> these LSU DBs. These are pro, like these are pro football caliber DBs. These DBs that Jerry Judy are going to be playing are going to be in the NFL. They're going to be they're, they're going to be in the NFL. He's going against Georgia. He's going against Texas and LSU, Ole Miss, Florida, Georgia. I mean, he's going against these guys in college. Um, you just don't get that same type of competitive. Or that same type of talent uh, in the Big Twelve or in the Pac Twelve. There's, I mean, especially in the Pac Twelve. I mean, you, you, you just, you know, a lot of Oregon State guys are not going to make it to the NFL. A lot of those guys in the Oregon State secondary are not going to make it to the NFL. They're not NFL caliber. Um, so that's what I look at. Um, that's that's yeah. That's that's. It, I I I do I, as a GM. If I was a GM, if I was a coach, if I was a scout guy on one of these rosters in the NFL, I would find it extremely difficult to evaluate talent outside of the SEC and the Big Ten a little bit. More so the SEC. Um, but you could, inc- you could include the Big Ten because physical conference, um, a lot of NFL guys, great programs. Um, and, you know, you, you just get that same feel with the SEC. Get that same feel with the SEC. I think it'd be much easier. Now let's shift gears to Dak and the Cowboys. 
Dak and the Cowboys. Um, Dak, apparently, according to TMZ, uh, and this seems to be credible, um, because we get multiple sources, uh, Dak had a house party this past weekend, um, with a guy that's trying to be the highest paid receiver, highest paid quarterback. He wants to be, or, you know, according to, you know, a lot of research, a lot of sources, he wants to be the highest paid quarterback in football. Now, obviously, Dak does not run into these type of problems, not never. I mean, this is first, you know, off the field uh, behavior that we have looked and frowned upon. So this is not this is not like a Ezekiel Elliott type of deal with Dak. You don't have to worry about that usually, but Dak. You have to be smarter. As the franchise quarterback, um, with times of this, of such going on, and what's happening in the world, not just in the U.S., but in the world, I think you have to have more, you have to have, you have to have more common sense. You have to have, you have to think, it's just stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid to have a house party, to have a social gathering at this time. It's it, 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 it's 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 completely, utterly ridiculous. You look at what so many when you look at what all of the sports sport leagues, all of the all of the sporting leagues are doing. You look at all the leagues are doing. NBA, NBA, NFL, even NFL, the draft is a little bit different. Um, the, you know, MLB, NHL, boxing. Martial, it's UFC. It's been uh, MLS, Olympics, like big time March Madness, big time sporting events and leagues have postponed or canceled damn near their seasons due to this virus. And you went out and have a social gathering. It's not the smartest look. You're in the public eye. You're the cow. You're, 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 you are the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. You are the quarterback. You are the face of a franchise, um, of the most valued franchise, of the most valued team in sports. You, you, you're the, you're the face of the most valued team in sports. You have to be much smarter, um, and you know, and, and of course. Of course, what, what do you know? Ezekiel Elliott, I saw him in the pictures. What do you know? Ezekiel Elliott, find, he, he, he just finds himself in the wrong places in the wrong time. What's new with Ezekiel Elliott? <laughs> of course he was at the house party. Of course, of course. You, we, this is the time when you're supposed to be social distancing. You're not supposed to be having social gatherings. You, you, I mean, even though... You, you, you know, you may think you're physically bu- bulletproof from this because you're younger and Dak is an athlete and he's 24, you know, he's 20, he's in his early to mid-20s. You may think that you are physically bulletproof from this, but you have to think about others and where those other people are coming from, where they're going to go. Like, you have a mom as well. You have older people around you as well who are, quote-unquote, more, you know, at risk when it comes to this virus. 
but this the this but this virus by no shape no 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 shape of me it, it doesn't it, this virus doesn't discriminate by age race sex it doesn't matter it this 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 virus does not discriminate so you can be 24 you can be 34 you can be 84 you can still get it so it's you you got to be you just got to be more mindful and a move like this, like I said, it's it's no way you can. It's no other way to describe it but stupidity. It's no way to describe it. It's a stupid move. It's a stupid gesture. Um, I get it. So many schedules have been interrupted. So many schedules have been interrupted. Even my schedule. Even my schedule. Even my schedule has been interrupted. And you have you have foolishness out here. You have foolish people out here. That are having coronavirus parties and social gatherings and linking up together. You have people out here that's doing such things. And with a notable name in the news, such as Dak Prescott being the Cowboys quarterback, you would think you would be aware of that. And you wouldn't encourage that. But when you when you have when you display actions like this of you know of this magnitude. You you give those foolish people who are having these gatherings more ammo. You, you're giving more ammo, and you're giving them the courage and the conviction to continue on. So, and I saw his report saying that he is done with corona parties. You should have been done with corona parties. You should have never had the corona parties. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? And this is the same guy that wants a contract that wants to be the highest paid quarterback in league history. But in a global pandemic, he makes a decision like this. And I don't want to bang on that too much. Well, no, I'm not going to let me not let me not say that because this is a, this is let me, let me not do that. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to make it seem like Dak he's a multiple-time offender. I'm, I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like he's a He's a, he he he's been doing this and he's been having off the field issues continuously because no, that's just not been the case, and this is why I am so surprised and so shocked because this is coming from a guy that has been much of a class act um, since taking over the starting job and being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He has been a class act um, even throughout Zeke. Issues he had issues issues with Dan's Bryan, the you know the Jerry Jones issues. He has been class act. He is leadership, and that and that is always what I praise Dak for. I always praise Dak for being first able, always being available, never being injured, never being hurt. I also praise Dak with just saying the right things. Saying the right things means so much in this league. I'm going to tell you more about that. Saying the right things and being an adult means so much in this league. It means so much in this league. And this is why I got to come down Dak hard because you're a guy that typically we don't see this. I mean, typically we never see this type of engagement of action that you just displayed or had displayed on Sunday this past weekend. So it is a bit shocking when I saw it it was shocking and I saw Zeke in the video. I'm like, okay, yeah, of course of course Zeke is in the video. 
wasn't it wasn't no surprise there because this is I mean you know let's just be honest this is what Zeke is Zeke has had traditional troubles issues and I remember you know when the when the Cowboys drafted him where I mean where with pre-draft. Zeke's dad said, I don't know if my son can handle it because my son typically is, you know, he's he's a bit of a nutcase. He's a bit immature. So I wasn't surprised to see Zeke. I'm like, okay, Zeke, yeah. This, yeah, of course. But with Dak, I'm like, oh, Dak? Is that Dak's house? Dak's party? Huh? I'm like, you sure this not Zeke's party? Dak's? Unbelievable. Um, I'm going to talk about more about the draft more about the draft coming up. Um, I got some big-time draft news I want to talk about and break down Justin Herbert and Jordan Love and why I think their past seasons may be too heavily criticized and looked upon and frowned upon. I'll be back. Ethan Strauss, he's doing a whole book on the Warriors dynasty, um, Durant joining with Steph Clay and Draymond, obviously. And basically, a quick snippet that I want to talk about that I saw in this new book, I think it's called Victory Machine. It's called Victory Machine by Ian Ethan Strauss. Uh, I don't think the I don't think the book is out yet, but um this is a really good book. And I'm excited for it. I'm good. Of course, I'm going to grab it. So apparently, this is by Ethan Strauss. <clears throat> apparently, Kevin Durant was tired of the media warriors, San Francisco uh, warriors, quote unquote, media kissing Steph's behind when he was on the Warriors. Uh, he said another word, but I'm not going to say it on air. But um. Okay, so this made me think. Obviously, this is Steph team. This is Steph team. Even when Durant joined, Durant was the best player on the team. No, undoubtedly, he was the best player on the team. And I thought Steph did a hell of a job for a guy. Looked like just remember, yeah, the Warriors lost in the finals. They you know they went seventy three and nine, lost in the finals, three one deficit. I mean three one lead on the Cavaliers into LeBron. And I know LeBron is at the top of the league. He's won this title with Cleveland. But just think the position and how the position and the perspective and how much love Steph Curry was receiving. Steph Curry was coming off of a 73-9 season, 
his best career year. He was the unanimous MVP, the first ever unanimous MVP in league history. And he had led the Warriors to a 73-9 record. 73-9 record. Already won a title the previous year, coming off of back-to-back MVPs, if I did not mention that already. And also, at the same time, revolutionizing the game. Revolutionizing the game and having as big as an impact on basketball, at least in this generation, but probably ever, with the way how the game is played now. And Durant, of course, joins the Warriors. But Durant always said this when Durant was there. And I never, I never like some people, some of the media bashed Durant for going and leaving OKC and going to Golden State. I didn't even have a problem with that. I thought that was smart. Mobility. I thought that was smart. I thought with Durant, I thought Durant's move was smart. I think it was the ultimate mobility, mobility move. The NBA is about mobility. Stars move, stars leave. I had no problem with him going with going to the Warriors and joining that team. Even though, I mean, with him joining, they were practically unbeatable. But I had no problem with him joining that team. But Durant never quite got this. And Durant likes to be mobile, as we see. Durant is from the DMV area. He's from this very same area. He went to school. Instead of choosing Georgetown or Maryland, he chose Texas. Then he gets drafted by the Seattle Supersonics. They moved to OKC. You know, then he, you, we know about his other transitions. Durant's never had a home. Yeah, Durant's from here. And this is Durant's hometown, you know, the DMV. This, you know, this is his home area. This is his hometown. But as far as basketball, he's never had a hometown. And Durant, I can remember Durant was so beloved. Now the perception around Durant, because we see a little bit of his, we, we, we know these last mm, two, these last three years mainly, We've got to see a side of Durant that we've never seen. We we got the social media side of Durant. We um we have Durant, you know, being social either in a positive or a negative way. We saw we just these last three years we have seen Kevin Durant in a different light, and he has came off a bit sensitive at times. Uh, we know about his burner accounts. Um, on various social media platforms, which is a eyebrow razor, which is an eyebrow razor to some people. Um, to me, it's not a big deal, but it's also like you're Kevin Durant. Why are you responding to 13-year-olds? You know what I'm saying? Um, the media, we know we had, he had trouble with the media trying to Grab, you know, trying to grasp why he went to Golden State, you know, and then his free agency, his free agent, you know, free agency destination was heavily talked about last year during the Warriors' regular season run. 
in postseason run. His free agent, his next team, wherever he was going to go with the Nets, wherever he was going to go, it was talked about. It was talked about a lot last year. And Durant either has a fan base that really loves him or Durant has a fan base that just does not like Kevin Durant. And a couple years back when he played for OKC, you know, he, he was beloved by that city. The, 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 the city, the people, of the citizens of Oklahoma City loved them some Kevin Durant because the OKC, younger Kevin Durant, they had young Westbrook, they had young James Harden and young Serge Ibaka, and they were uh, one of those, you know, one of those young teams in the Western Conference, and they, they, they had to get through the first round. They lost in the first round to the Lakers, but they had to get through the first round, and then so forth, and then the second round. Then they would lose to the, in the conference finals to the Mavericks, and then the next year they'd go to the finals and lose to the Heat. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, this team got a lot of upside. They got Durant, Harden, Westbrook. It was, you know, it was Westbrook and Harden. It was Westbrook and Durant's team. But people know that. People people know, people knew that Durant was the better player, obviously. Durant was the better player, obviously. But it was, it was looked at as Durant's and Westbrook's team, the dynamic duo. And they have built their way through the tough Western Conference, experienced some success, never winning the title. But he was so beloved there in OKC. He had won his first MVP. He had won, he won his first MVP in OKC. So beloved in that town, especially in OKC, so beloved. The, the, the fans absolutely loved him, gravitated to him. Um, and then that's where his fan base grew. But as he made that decision, which was tough, the exit was definitely tough, he made the decision to go to the Warriors, an already functioning machine. A functioning machine that already won a title. A functioning machine that, that was one game away from winning back-to-back titles and finishing probably the greatest regular season ever. With a 73 and 9 record and then winning the title. We all know that didn't happen. The Warriors go out and sign Durant. Durant wanted the Warriors. Warriors wanted Durant. But that was Steph's team. And no matter how you try to cut it up, no matter how you try to divide the pie, no matter how selfless Steph Curry was. It was always going to be Steph's team. That's Steph's team. <laughs> it, it, no matter what happens, that is always going to be Steph Curry's team. He's the founder of the dynasty. Steph Curry's the founder of the dynasty. He was the founder of the Warriors dynasty. Simple as that. He, he, he was there. That's, Steph, that's always going to be Steph's team. Just like Apple. Apple's always going to be Steve Jobs. They fire Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is now, he's passed away. But Apple's always going to be Steve Jobs, no matter what. (laughs) Apple's always going to be Steve Jobs. No matter what. Microsoft. 
yeah, Steve Ballmer was there. He, you know, he, he, he's there. He was running Microsoft. But Microsoft is always going to be Bill Gates. It's always going to be Bill Gates' property. It's always going to be Bill Gates. It's, it's always going to be Bill Gates' property. Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he can, he can move on from Facebook. And he, can give, he can give Facebook to somebody else. But that's always going to be Mark Zuckerberg's app. And it's always going to be Steph Curry's Warriors, no matter who joins. Even if Giannis decides to join the Warriors, it's always going to be looked at as Steph's Warriors. Steph was the founder of the dynasty. Durant, he had his own for a minute in OKC. He left it. He left it. He left his own in OKC. He left it. So that's what you get. That I mean, and I think, and I don't, I don't know if Durant like understands this concept. I don't know. I don't know if he does. And I think he does. I think he probably. I think he probably does. And he know. He knows the the downside into being so mobile. He knows the downside into moving so much. I like stability. Me personally, I like stability. Me, this is me personally. I like stability. But Durant has been mobile throughout his career. He's been he's he he's been mobile. He's like I said, he's from this area. He didn't choose to go to Georgetown. He didn't choose to go to Maryland. He chose Texas. Okay, he chose Texas. Gets drafted by Seattle. Seattle moves to OKC. Leaves OKC, goes to Golden State. Then he goes to Brooklyn. It's just who Durant is. It's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing being mobile. It's nothing being mobile. Because there's a stat out there that, that says most Americans don't live outside of their neighbor, don't live outside of their city or state that they were born in. Most Americans don't. So it's great that he's mobile. But you also gotta understand the downside, the negative impacts, the cons that come with being so mobile, and that comes with being, you know, or having mobility. There's downsides. Because you never really found what's yours. You never really find what's yours. Apple, Steve Jobs is dead and passed away. He's gone and passed away. But Steve Jobs is always going to be Apple. It's always going to be Apple. It's just, it, it, it just is. Always going to be Apple. Microsoft, always going to be Bill Gates. Facebook, always going to be Mark Zuckerberg. No matter how you split the pie. No matter how you cut the cake. It's going to be theirs. And the Warriors, as long as Steph is there, is always going to be Steph's Warriors. No matter how good you are. Durant was the best player. Yeah, Durant was the best player on those teams. But it's always going to be Steph Warriors. It's always going to be Steph teams. He was drafted by the Warriors. He stuck it out with the Warriors. 
He's built a fan base in Golden State, Oakland, and San Francisco, and all throughout California, practically. And it's always going to be Steph and his team. No matter, no matter how you split the pie, no matter how you cut it, it's always going to be Steph and the Warriors. And one can make the argument, Durant is dealing with that right now in Brooklyn. Yeah, Durant joined Brooklyn, and yeah, he's the best player on the Nets, but Kyrie's from Brooklyn. Kyrie's from New Jersey. Kyrie grew up loving the Nets, so that's kind of Kyrie's town. I don't know, but it's just something to think about, um, and be sure to get that book. This is not an ad. This is not an advertisement, but I think it's going to be a great book. Um, Ethan Strauss is the author uh, and it's called Victory Machine. Uh, I think I don't think the book is out now, but I think the book is gonna be um, it's gonna be out really soon. So uh, keep your eyes on that. But um, yeah, it's always gonna be Steph Warriors. <clears throat> no matter how you cut it, it's always gonna be Steph Warriors. So I have seen Matt Rule's comments. I seen Matt Rule comments about the Panthers, and this goes. This is I'm gonna talk about Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, he got a four year extension, sixty four million dollar deal, um, sixteen million dollars per year. That makes him the highest paid running back in the league. Um, he had a great year last year. Um, great year last year for the Panthers. I think um, he, no doubt, he deserves it. He deserves it. No doubt he deserves it. No doubt. But I found something interesting. And I like Matt Rule. But I, I found something interesting. I found something interesting about Matt Rule and what he said... About his, you know, what he said. Now, I want to say first, congratulations to uh, Christian McCaffrey. But, Matt Rule comments. Matt Rule comments. And let me tell you guys about Matt Rule. Matt Rule, coming from Baylor. Uh, Baylor, you, you, I don't know if you guys, but, but Brent Browse and that whole scandal situation in Baylor. Matt Rue had to come into Baylor and basically retool that entire program. And that program was an 11-win team last year. Um, that, that was a really good program last year. Oh, that, Baylor was a really good program last year. And Matt Rue, that's his thing. He builds, he installs cultures. He wants to install and build a culture. He's a culture Type of coach. He's going to build the culture. He's going to build around the guys that he have, guys that he drive. He wants culture builders. And I found this interesting. This is also, you know, it's positive towards Christian McCaffrey, of course. But I also think about Cam Newton when I think of Matt, when I think of Matt Rule's comments. Here it goes. Matt Rule says, Mr. Christian McCaffrey is a, is a player you can build a team around. Here's what Rue told, you know, blah, 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 blah. My job is to coach guys until, they're, until they are here or not here. 
this is for anybody. Those guys that can handle those contracts, all that. I think Christian McCaffrey is a centerpiece player you can build a team around. And I really think he builds, he's really built for our culture that you want within the building. We want to be a serious football place. We want to be a place that's all about the game. And I think that's who Christian McCaffrey is. Christian McCaffrey is. So basically, and he's he's spot on with Christian McCaffrey. He's spot on. Like I said, it's positive for Christian McCaffrey. It's a compliment from Christian McCaffrey. We don't, I rarely talk about Christian McCaffrey, um, but he's a really talented running back. Could really do it all. Great hands, great route runner. He can run in between the tackles, outside the tackles. Whatever you need him to do, he does it. But these comments that Matt Rule made really stands out. And it tells you a lot about Cam Newton. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago, where I said guys like Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, the reason why those guys continue to get jobs they're mature. They're serious. I talked about Cam. I talked about Cam possibly because, you know, people was entertaining the fact that uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots could possibly go after Cam. People talked about the, the possibility of that. And I, I, I dispelled it. I dispelled it. I said, Belichick and Cam Newton wouldn't work. And I said, because Bill, Bill Belichick is meticulous, spot on, on point, serious, tight. Cam is loose, goofy, not serious, playful, <laughs> unloose, loose. I mean, <laughs> loose. Like, that's who he is. That's who he is. All about the game. Christian McCaffrey is all about the game. He Matt Rule wants to install a culture that is serious, that is a serious football place. He wants to instill that culture. The Carolina Panthers, they're moving on. They want to grow up as a franchise. And Christian McCaffrey, he's the he's a he's a he's a nice building block. Teddy Bridgewater is your quarterback, serious, mature kid, a winner. He fits, he fits that mold. I'm not picking on Cam Newton. I'm not picking on Cam Newton. But these comments from Matt Rule, new coach of the Carolina Panthers, it's just icing on the cake on what I've been talking about with Cam Newton, with guys like Cam Newton and Jameis Winston um, for the last few weeks. It just, it's just icing on the cake. It's, it's, it's just icing on the cake, what I've been talking about. Being mature helps in this league. Being mature, being an adult in the locker room, being serious, being about football matters. It matters. That's why those guys continue to get jobs. And that's all I said about Cam. I wasn't coming for Cam. I have no ill will against Cam. For all I know, he could be a good guy. And from the outside looking in, he is probably a good guy. But when it comes to building a culture, installing a culture, do you 
Do you want Cam Newton to be the centerpiece of that? Do you want him to be the centerpiece of that? Do you want him to... Do you want players, younger players, following? Don't know. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. Please don't take that out of proportion, out of context. Not saying he's a bad guy. Because he hasn't done nothing all the, off the field to justify that. But... But... Cam tends to be a little bit playful. You see it in his game. Playful, not meticulous. He's not pinpoint accurate. Cam has been he's been he's been inaccurate. You can see in this play though. His play is erratic. His play is erratic. His play is up and down. His is literally his play is up and down. The big thing for Cam Newton in his career, he is lack consistency. Consistency goes hand in hand with being meticulous, on point, tight, and being serious. If you're consistent, you're serious about a certain thing. I'm serious about this podcast thing because I'm consistent. Because I'm consistent. I'm consistent. No sporting events going on. All the all the sporting events going on, NBA playoffs, NBA finals, Super Bowl. I'm consistent. I'm serious about this thing. Cam has been in throughout his career has been inconsistent and has performed average. Most years he's been average. Most years Cam Newton has been an average quarterback. And you can tell in his accuracy, you can tell in his game, you can tell just in his overall season, his overall career, consistency has been the problem. It's been a lack. I feel like consistency goes hand in hand with being meticulous, on time, being serious about the call of work that you're doing. That's just me. That's just me when I think of being consistent. You're serious about whatever you're, whatever you're consistent about, you're serious about it. If you're consistent about, be, about being in shape, if you're consistent with exercising, you're going to be serious with exercising. <laughs> you got to take it serious if you want to be consistent. You don't think Brady, with Brady, with all his consistency, you don't think he's serious about the game of football? Of course he is. With LeBron consistency and LeBron's um, shape, the, in, the, in, the, in the great shape that he is, you don't think he's serious about this basketball thing? No, 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 no. They're serious. They're serious. The great ones usually are, though. The great ones usually are serious. Just me. That's just me. And when you're serious, you're consistent. When you're consistent, you're serious. Cam has been lacking that. Cam has not been serious. Cam has been very loose. Cam has been playful. Even in his best year, even in his MVP year, Cam was still inaccurate. He was still below 60% completion percentage. He was still below... 60% completion percentage. He was still below that. 
Cam's always lack consistency. That has been my problem with Cam Newton. So if you think I'm getting on, you think I'm hating, I'm not. I like it. I mean, he, he, he's a good guy. He may be a, he, he very well may be a good guy. I have no I have no other news or no actions to justify that he's not a good guy. But as far as a quarterback, this is what I get this is what I talk about. This is this is what I do. You play, you're the athlete, I'm the sportscaster, podcaster, whatever you want to call me. I critique how you play. And he's just been average. He's been average. And I have facts to back it up. He's been average. And I know it's, some, it's, a, it's a tough thing to admit because, hey, it's, you know, it's Cam Newton. He's famous. He's a superstar. He's a megastar. You see him in the commercials. But he has a huge following. But consistency, he's lacked it. He's lacked it. <clears throat> He's lacked it. Definitely. And here goes another point. Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Chargers, had came out and said they are legitimately bullish. Legitimately bullish on Tyler Taylor. Bullish of Tyler Taylor. They are bullish with Tyler Taylor. So they are sold with Tyler Taylor. I pointed this out a couple weeks ago. To you guys, Tyrod Taylor, Cam Newton. I I, 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 I I listed out the stats, and I said, what is, the notice, what is the noticeable difference? Oh, wait, there is no noticeable difference. I mean, Tyrod has a little bit more wins. Tyrod has been a little bit more accurate. Tyrod has less interceptions. But they were the same guy. But Tyrod is mature. Tyrod comes with less baggage, less drama. What are you gonna take? That's and that's what I said. All these things, what these coaches are saying, with these with these coaches' comments, all of their comments put together, hand in hand, it's what I've been saying. It's what I've been saying for the last two, three weeks about maturity, quarterbacking in this league. That's all I've been saying. I've been saying, you, you know, you have media talking about Cam and New England, possibly, you know, Belichick and Cam possibly doing business. I said, nope. I dispelled that one. I said, nope. Belichick, Cam would not work. Total opposites. Total opposites. Brady and Belichick. They had a rough relationship, and Brady was serious about the game. Brady was serious about the game, and Brady was just as meticulous as Bill Belichick. So make you think a guy that's that's loose, loosey goosey, and playful, and and lacks seriousness and lack consistency. What makes you think Belichick's gonna want that guy? Belichick, the the, the things that Cam is, Belichick does not like. Cam is inconsistent. Belichick wants consistency. Cam is inaccurate. Belichick wants accuracy. Cam is not serious. Belichick is serious. Nothing but serious. Cam is loose. Belichick is tight. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what... Cam is unorganized. Belichick is meticulous. 
That's just what I've been talking about. That's what I've been talking about. And then Matt Rule comes out, says, hey, <laughs> we want somebody that's serious about the game. We want somebody that's serious about the game that's all in on football. What did I say about Cam? He lacked consistency. Consistency. He lacks seriousness. You need to be serious. I said it. I said it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm hitting the, I'm hitting the hammer right on the, I'm hitting the nail right on that. I'm hitting the hammer right on the nail. I'm hitting, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the hammer right on the nail. I'm hitting it. I'm I'm absolutely on it. I'm sorry to tilt my own bell, but I I'm I, I, I'm hitting it. And then Anthony Lynn comes out and says, "We are com- we are legitimately bullish of Tyrod Taylor, meaning they're all in on Tyrod Taylor." And quite frankly, I don't see why you shouldn't. Tyrod Taylor, look for the team. Look at the look at look at the situations and the teams that he's been on. And I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because I feel like with 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 his resume and what he has done, you know, giving the teams that he was on at that particular time, he done a hundred, he done he he's done a good job. Buffalo was supposedly supposed to rebuilding, quote unquote, rebuilding. He got them to the playoffs. They didn't want to pay him. They took him to Cleveland. Cleveland's a bad situation. I mean, maturity. Tyrod's a mature guy, an adult in the room. He's a guy that you can build your culture around. You know, you know. Obviously, you don't want Tyrod to be your starter for five for the next five to nine to ten years. But Tyrod's not a bad starter to have for a year or two. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. And that's why. That is why. That is why Cam, Jameis Winston, got to mature, got to be more adults, got to be the adult in the room. They got to mature up. <clears throat> they got to mature up. So, um, you know, Tua, I've, you know, we've seen the news about Tua dropping. I've been talking about Tua, 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 and I've been talking about a lot of Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, you know, with <laughs> What that's going to look like for him in Cincinnati, which is, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, I feel bad for him. But we've been talking about a lot about that. But we have not touched bases on Justin Herbert as much. We've talked about Justin Herbert a little bit more. We talked about we talked about him a little bit. But we have not talked about Jordan Love a lot. And Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State, Utah State, he's a quarterback from Utah State, but let's stick with Justin Herbert for just a second. I know Justin now. I've, I've seen Justin Herbert taking a lot of slack, and Justin Herbert may very well be underrated in this draft. Even though I think Tua is a better prospect than him, um, and than Joe, but I think Tua is the best quarterback. Before he had the injuries, before the hip injury, I thought Tua was the best quarterback in this draft. Now, despite me thinking that and me thinking that Tua is the best quarterback in this draft, I do want to acknowledge Justin Herbert and the freak athlete that he is 
and the great talent that he is. I mean, for his size is 6'6", 230-ish, 235-ish, around that size. Um, tremendous arm talent. He looks a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Now, obviously, I think Trevor Lawrence is a little bit. I think Trevor Lawrence has more God-given arm talent, probably. But Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, merely the similar, merely the same guy, same size, same physique. Hell, even same long hair. Great arm, but I think Herbert might be undervalued in this draft. He might be underrated in this draft. And I'm going to tell you why. I talked about this a little bit with Oregon throughout the college football season. But Oregon with Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal is Oregon's head coach. Now, he's not doing a bad job at Oregon. He's not doing a bad job. He He's 21-7 and seven at Oregon. He's been there for three years. He's won two of his three bowl games. Three, two of his first three bowl games at Oregon. Not doing a bad job. This is this is this was definitely his best year at twelve and two. But he's an offense. He's a former offensive lineman. Mario Cristobal is a former offensive lineman. And if you know anything about offensive linemen, <laughs> they love when you run the ball. They're going to be run heavy. And as coaches, that translates. That translates. That translates right to their coaching philosophy and scheme offensively. They want to run the ball. Mario Cristobal is a former offensive lineman, and he wants to run the ball. I've heard this on many shows. I've heard this from many shows with scouts. That Cristobal's offense is not um, is not as modernized. The, the The passing game is not as uh, sophisticated as it needs to be. As you know, as, as you would think, as a quarterback, you know, in a in, in NFL in today's game, the passing game is not as sophisticated. And it goes back. It, it, it's very similar to Les Miles. Les Miles, good coach to LSU, but. He was never he, he he could never get the passing game to look sophisticated. That was that's all LSU was that's all LSU was missing. LSU was missing the wrong system. LSU was missing the wrong philosophy. But LSU has always had the talent. They all they always had the athletes to do this. But Les Miles run heavy, run heavy, run heavy, and it's not even a pro style offense that Oregon runs. It's ver it's. It's very much run heavy. And I think out of the Pac-12, Justin Herbert was in Oregon with... Justin Herbert in Oregon was eighth in pass attempts. Justin Herbert was eighth in pass attempts in the Pac-12. Justin Herbert was the by far the best quarterback in the Pac-12. He was the best quarterback in the Pac-12. So how, is he, so how does he have the eighth... Most passing attempts. Mario Cristobal. Not saying he's not a great coach, because I read you his record. He's 21 and 7 at Oregon. Three years. Not doing a bad job. But offensively, passing game wise, not not moderate enough. Not moderate enough. We don't we don't this is not the nineteen seventies. This is not the nineteen eighties 
we'll run the ball, and we'll run the ball 40, 45 times. And you can't, you like, the, the, today defenses are getting better, just as like offenses, just like offenses are getting better. And you got to be creative. You got to be creative. And there was a lack of creativity in Mario Cristobal's passing game. And you would think with him having one of the best, Young quarterbacks in the nation, best young, best young, best one of the best college quarterbacks in the nation. You would think that his passing game would have no issues. There would be no problems in that department. Well, that was probably the weakest part of their offense was the passing game. Even though Justin Herbert is going to be a top ten pick. It goes back to what I was saying about Jordan. Well, what I'm going to say about Jordan Love. Now, Jordan Love, on the other hand, dealt with bad coaching. Jordan Love dealt with bad coaching. He dealt with bad coaching last year. Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson at Utah State. 7-6. Jordan Love, I know he's the the, the media, the, the male Kuipers of the world, the Tom McShays of the world have taken uh well not 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 them necessarily, but scouts and around the league have looked at his junior tape and said, What happened? And this is in, in Justin Herbert's situation, uh Jordan Love's situation. Sometimes you can't look at the players, especially in basketball, in football. In football, you can't just point your finger directly at the player because schematically, schematics, schemes matter. Systems matter. And you can see the big difference in his sophomore year and his junior year. Sophomore year, had 3,500 passing yards, completion percentage, 64 um, yards per pass attempt, 8.6, 32 touchdowns to six interceptions with a 158 passer rating. Junior year, he had more completions, yeah, but he had less yards, completion percentage down, yards per, per attempt down, Touchdowns down, interceptions up. He had 20 touchdowns to 17 interceptions with a passer rating of 129. Not bad, but for a guy that had a great sophomore year and was really, and he has, and he has, I mean, Jordan Love, you may don't know, you may don't, you may go look at some tape of this kid, but Jordan Love is a guy that can ball. He has tremendous. Arm talent. I mean, arm talent, uh, escapability is perfect. Go look at go look go look at Jordan Love. But we often blame the players, but we gotta look at the systems that they're in. And look how many you look how many players that Utah State lost. Look at the supporting cast and look at the system. You gotta add context to these things. Jordan Love, Gary Anderson, Gary Anderson, bad coach. He's a bad coach. Cristobal, Cristobal is not a bad coach. Gary Anderson, bad coach. He's a bad coach. 
Mario Cristobal, not a bad coach. Just his offensive scheme, his offensive philosophy, um, not as modernized, not as sophisticated enough um, for pro football, let alone college football. For pro football, it's not sophisticated enough. Gary Anderson, bad coach. Jordan Love had no chance. That shouldn't be held against these kids. It really shouldn't. It really should not be held against these kids. So one last thing before I let you guys go. This has been a great pod. Loved it. This has been an absolute great pod. This has been an absolute great pod. But I want to touch base on something. <laughs> and what do you know? The Cowboys, they just keep on finding a way to get in the news. The Cowboys continue to find a way to get in the news and to stay in the news and to stay relevant. You would never have to worry about the Cowboys staying relevant. So the Cowboys could possibly trade. They're talking about trading for um, trading Dak uh, and moving up in the draft to be in order to trade for Justin Herbert and signing Cam Newton. And then, to, and then drafting, I mean, then signing Jerry Nankowney. I understand it. Historically, and it's not as crazy as you think. It's not as crazy as you think. Because historically in this league, especially the last 15 years or-ish, the way how you win Super Bowls in this league, young quarterback, you're built around him. You got a young quarterback that you like talent-wise, he's on a cheap rookie deal, and you're built around him. Or it's an older quarterback that takes pay cuts and you build around them. But you typically don't win Super Bowls in this league with when you're paying your quarterback a massive amount of money. Especially if he's not Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Like, if he's not those guys, mm, might want to hold on for that. Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, they're getting there. They're getting there. But if they're not those guys, you might want to hold off on that. You might want to hold off on that. Please do. Please hold off on that. Please. So it's not as crazy as you think for the Cowboys to trade Dak Prescott, move up in the draft to trade to draft Justin Herbert, and that frees up cap space to go sign Jadavion Clowney, which would shore up that defensive line. Because the secondary of the Cowboys is not going to be great. And we all know that. And the Cowboys know that. Secondary is not going to be great. Strengthen your D-line. Make sure that D-line gets better. I think this may... It's not as crazy as you think. It's not as a it's not as a it's not as crazy of a move as you think. It'll be a big move. It'll be a shocker to everybody, to a lot of people. But it's not as bad as a move. It's not as crazy of a move as you think. Um, thank you guys for listening to another part to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Ooh, boy, boy, you guys are doing such a great job with supporting the podcast. Keep on clicking. Um, I know this is tough times. Stay strong. Um, you know, you, I know you guys hate it in there. Continue to click, 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 spread the word, spread this podcast. We are growing. 
We are nearly at 4,500 average listeners. We are at 4,000 average listeners. So thank you guys for continuing to listen on those platforms that you listen on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Whatever you guys use to download and stream this podcast, keep using it. Um, always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm out. Too much.